and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about resistant weeds. If you've got any questions about that, or if there's anything else you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD if you want to call in. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com. Or send us a note on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. Just this morning, I had an agronomist send me an email and asked about, all right, this late in the season, R3, R4 in soybeans, right what can here. I do? Should we dive oh. into the Ag PhD oh, mailbag yeah. and okay. take that? Yeah, I didn't realize I'd sent that over. It's the mailbag! I don't know the build up to that, Janelle. It was just it was just too long. All right, so uh, Kevin uh, had this. He's up in North Dakota, and he said, "I, I've got a couple of growers that I'm working with, and they've got an issue with water hemp. My beans are in the R3 to R4 stage, and with the early windstorms we had, the beans are just thin in spots, and now the water hemp snuck through without crop canopy to stop it. So, any ideas what we can do at this point? And along these lines, Brian, I had another." Uh, agronomist I talked to today said the same exact thing except the weed was lamb's quarters and here we are at and he said I'm at R4 and I got lamb's quarters out there and my beans are not going to canopy we've been dry yep uh, what do you do hand pull them hoe them or use a wick and I know you probably haven't used a, a wick on your farm well, in this generation, so maybe you go talk to your dad or your grandpa, pull one out of the trees or something. But anyway, yeah, the the old rope wick used to be pretty popular. So the deal is basically there's a rope that's got um, a very concentrated amount of whatever herbicide you want. Let's say it's uh, it's Freelex or Enlist One or something like that. I, I mean, one of the new 2,4-Ds that won't volatilize. I mean, that's probably what I would use just at, I mean, my first thought anyway. But we used to use that with Roundup. Anyway, it works fine if you have weeds that are sticking above the crop and then you basically run this so it just brushes against those weeds and wipes some herbicide onto them without herbicide getting onto the plants that are in the field, the the crop that's in the field, I mean. So th- that's about all you can do. And anyway, I just, when I responded to this agronomist this morning, I said, uh, those are really your options. But in the future, you're just going to have to do more residual herbicides. And he goes, well, we're doing like two in the fall and three in the spring. And I go, yeah, I know, but you got to do like five in the spring. I don't know what to tell you. We talk about all the, we talk about the three pre's all the time, a yellow metribuzin and either authority or valor. So you get those pre-emerge and then you come early post with warrant ultra or anthem max. And you got two more active ingredients there. So now you got five residual herbicides out. Well, now you're going to be in pretty good shape. But to Darren's point on this crop canopy thing, and even for, uh, for for this question that we're answering here, crop canopy is a key. I mean, we say it all the time here on the show, the best weed killer there is is crop canopy. It's better than any herbicide ever invented. So we, we've got to figure out how to get there. 
if you're in an area that has issues with this where you go, boy, I just, my, I can't get my beans to canopy. Well, then you go to narrow rows. That That's what we used to do on our farm back when we weren't raising much for a soybean yield or beans weren't getting tall, anything like that. We just went to drilled soybeans and that helped out a lot with the weed control program. You can do the same thing in corn. You can go to narrower rows in corn if you want to, but yeah, it's just, it, it's tough. And I'll, I'll say too, when we're talking about water hemp and lambs quarters, what you do in the fall isn't going to help you a whole lot in the spring. I mean, will it help a little bit? Sure. But I mean, what we're really after here, like with water hemp is we need residual into July. And you're not going to get that usually by putting something out in the fall. So will that help you a little bit for early spring weed control? Sure. But I, I mean, that's why I, I know when you think, well, I did two in the fall and I did three modes of action in the spring. It's still not enough, unfortunately. I wish that it was. And it could potentially be if you had a lot better crop canopy. But especially in a year like this year, for any of these people that are struggling to get that crop canopy, you you just have to do more and you have to stay on it. But yeah, when it's this late in the season, there's just there's nothing you can do. I mean, other than, like I say, hand pull them or wick them or something like that. But there are just they're, they're no good herbicide options this late that are going to kill a great big lamb's quarters or a great big water hemp plant in soybeans. All right. Thanks for the question, Zoe. Uh, we, we appreciate that. We understand it. it. It happens every year somewhere. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I will say, do we have a few weed stragglers on our farm, too? We do. I mean, especially around some of the end, end rows and stuff like that. I mean, there's a little bit of stuff. I'm just, I'm not, we used to, especially when we farmed many fewer acres and we didn't mind going out. Well, <laughs> we minded going out and pulling weeds, but uh, we were kids and our dad told us we had to. Um, you know, then it was maybe a little bit different and we'd get every last weed, but even then, we didn't get every last weed. You try, but you can't get every last thing. It's just, it's frustrating. Nope, that's for sure. Uh, all right, had another question come in here. This came in from David, and he said, uh, so evening temperatures are high, slight humidity. I uh, just wonder if I can still spray. I'm spraying a, a 2,4-D product that I got at a store in a brown jug, and it gives me the concentration here. It looks like it's 11% amine. He's trying to kill poison ivy, sumac, and wisteria. Uh, and he said, what, what can I do? Well, first of all, uh, let's talk about that product choice. It's very diluted, and you're going to need to run four times the rate uh, of what you'd run out of a normal product that you buy um, from a, an ag chemical dealer, for example. So a comparative product would be Weedar 64, which would be an amine that's 47% active. Uh, that one typically yeah, 1. but I hate all that stuff, Darren, because it, vol water, it volatilizes. It yeah, it volatilizes. So you don't want to go that way. You want to use Freelux. Get no. Freelux. Well, you can, or you could use Remedy Ultra. Would be labeled yes. for all those weeds that That'd you're trying to get, choice. other than the wisteria. But I think it might knock that out as well. So try yes. Remedy Ultra. That might be a better product choice for you. Definitely. Thanks, David. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill. 
and take your full prize in yields with Revitec Fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, talking about uh, well, one of our old favorite topics: resistant weeds. What you can do to stop them out in fields. And we're also taking your calls and questions throughout the show today at eight four four forty four Ag PhD, as well as our email address radio at agphd.com. You know, it gets to be a uh, Really, everything you do on the farm, if you've got resistant weeds out there, and we all have some resistant weeds in our area, resistant to different chemistries, and some that are are just plain tough to fight. Uh, We talked about a couple late season problems here earlier with water hemp and and lamb's quarters, and uh, water hemp being resistant to a number of different chemistries right now makes it that much more of a challenge. Got Randy Niver on with us right now with the uh, Cal Basgro, he's out in Illinois. Randy, I know you get a lot of questions about resistant weeds as well, and and uh, certainly influences growers' decisions in in what traits they choose. Yes, sir, it does. And uh, there's a a few different ways that we try to think about that and, and combating that. And when it comes to trait uh, package for soybeans, it certainly makes a big difference on what weed chemistries you can try. You know, one of the things that that we talk a lot about on our show is just starting with a good pre-emerge herbicide program, no matter what trait package that you're after, just to take some of the pressure off it. It seems like if we completely rely on that post-emerge treatment, uh, I don't know if anything out there is good enough to to give us season-long control if we don't have a pre trying to help us too. Yeah, I agree completely, and that's great advice. It's you know, one one thing that I like to recommend is is a a comment that we we like to say it's never see a weed. Uh, so, you know, you like you just said, you start with a solid pre, a solid burn down, and then you time that post uh, along with a residual with it. So you're not going to put a lot of stress on that one uh, post product that you know is is 
uh, traded in your in your soybeans, but you're actually giving a, another solid residual right behind that pre. And and we don't want to wait for the weeds to show up to to start you know trying to control them. We can control even the ones that are resistant to certain products. We can control them a lot better when you know they're either still in the soil and have just started to soak up that water. That they soak up more chemistry with it then we could get them before they ever come up out of the ground and not have that issue. Now, we have a lot of guys in our area that, that are reducing tillage, utilizing cover crops, uh, just just farming a little bit different uh, than, than other areas where they may be doing more conventional tillage and these types of things. Uh, having dicamba in front of an Extend Flex soybean is a pretty nice option to add some burn down ability and also get a little bit of residual out of that. Uh, that's kind of our preferred way to use it out here. What what do you see with products like Extendamax and and where are guys using that successfully in your state? Yeah, that's a a, a great way for the the no till option is you know using it as a burn down and as a pre. It's a great way to use the product effectively. Like you said, it gives us some residual along with it, and we don't have to worry about the the, the state requirements on on timing. And uh, we we see a lot less issues when it is used as a pre with with movement uh, because there are other fields around may not be emerged yet or uh, there may not be uh, uh, may not even be planted yet. So you know having that off target movement uh, complaint is a lot less. Uh, of a worry because you know they're they're not up and and being able to show any symptomology yet. So having it as a pre is a, or a burn down is a fantastic way of doing it. And uh, you know with with us in in East Central Illinois we do a lot of of conventional tillage still and and with that we we've tried to develop a system that we like to call the row and go system, where you start out with a good solid. Uh, um, good clean tillage, solid clean tillage program where you know you make sure you get all the weeds out with your tillage program, and then as soon as the uh, you plant your beans, they come up. Then we hit them with uh, what we call our trifecta, which is uh, Roundup PowerMax three along with um, Warrant or Warrant Ultra and Extend the Max, and that will that will free up some of the the timing constraint that that happens with. Uh, the Extendamax application, and it also uh, limits the amount of effects that we see from uh, PPOs, for example, in cold, wet soils that we tend to have when we start planting those soybeans earlier and earlier every year. Uh, we we worry about the PPO effect that that we could see. So, being able to use that system is is an option as well. Uh, so, you know. Either way, you've got to start clean, whether it's burned down or whether it's with good tillage, and that really helps that ex- that extend the max in that early application, and it gives you an option for you know if it turns dry, that extend the max is going to last uh, a, a good amount of time to to allow the other actives to get in soil solution to where they can do what they need to do. Now, if we just knew exactly when it was going to rain and how much it was going <laughs> to rain, it would make this weed control thing so much easier. But you're right. If we if we put some things out up front that just buys us a lot of cushion there and a lot of flexibility, it makes our lives easier. Randy, thank you so much. Really appreciate uh, having you on the show today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Darren, as we were starting the show today, I started making a little list of in our area right here, so we farm in southeast South Dakota, 
all the herbicides where we have, or at least the actives, the the groups that we have resistant weeds with. And it's a lot. It's really a lot. So I, I just want to go back to something, too, that our dad talked to us about from the beginning of his farming in South Dakota. So he was originally a farmer in Iowa, came up to South Dakota to farm in 1969. But he said when Banville first came out, he said, you know what, guys? I could use, I, the very first year, he said, I used a quarter of a pint. It killed every single weed on my farm, including the grass. And it was amazing. But pretty soon, we had to use a half a pint. And then it was three quarters of a pint. And then it was a full pint. We, we've seen this kind of thing for decades where if you continue to use the same product year after year, you're going to select out for the weeds that are toughest to control. This is why we talk so much about rotating crops, rotating chemistries, using multiple modes of action, just anything you can do, that's really going to help it. And even now, we're, I've, I've been talking to a lot of agronomists here in the last couple of weeks all over the place. 2,4-D and dicamba, a lot of agronomists aren't happy with either one. Now, granted, if you're killing the weeds and they're an inch tall and the, and the weather's perfect, people are pretty happy. But we are seeing issues with both 2,4-D and dicamba where the weed control just isn't perfect. It's good. It's really good, but it's not perfect. So how long is it going to be until we have to worry about both of those chemistries? So a lot of agronomists that I've talked to have said, well, Liberty's still working really good. Well, yeah, but if we overuse that too, we're going to have problems. So here are just a few things that I would advise you to consider. One, don't cut rates. We've had issues in certain areas with insecticides, for example, and people are complaining about, oh, the insecticide isn't working, and I'm going, what are you talking about? It works fantastic. But the issue is in some areas, there were just some people that were doing a whole bunch of cut rate stuff, and then pretty soon some bugs are resistant. Please use the full rates. Second thing is spray when weeds are small. Even th this was kind of interesting. I, I, was, I sat down with a group of agronomists just the other day, and so one, one, of a, one of them was complaining about weed control, and the other one pipes up and he goes, well, wait a second. That herbicide still works when you spray the weeds when they're small. <laughs> and I said, hey, I agree with you 100%. If you're trying to kill this stuff that's 6, 8, 12 inches tall, you're going to have a tough time. If you can get the weeds when they're small, you're a lot better off. Now, I realize we farm too. You're not always timely, okay? But here, here's the mistake I used to make on our farm. I would have our guys start spraying like right at the ideal time. And I quickly realized that, you know what? They're never going to be right there that day. The sprayer broke down. Oh, it rained a little bit. Oh, it's too windy now. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we had to take a day off. Oh, I was sick. Something always happens. So now I have our guys start like a week early. So then we actually finish on time. So that's helped me a lot. But anyway, on top of that, just be using residuals, especially pre-emerge herbicides, but use residuals. That's going to help you a lot. And then we talked about it earlier in the show, but crop canopy is amazing. So anything you can do to get better crop canopy, drainage, fertility, I mean, maybe narrower rows, anything for more crop canopy will help too. We'll talk more about resistant weeds right after this. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. We're talking weed control again, believe it or not, on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, talking about resistant weeds and getting a lot of late season questions in crops. We got one right here from Jim in South Dakota. Jim, how you doing? Hi, wonderful. How are you guys? You know what? I think we're doing better than we deserve, Jim. We caught some rain this weekend, and for anybody who knows what it's been like in South Dakota, and that's that's where Jim farms too, uh, that's been pretty hard to get this year. So we're really thankful we caught that for our beans. How about you? Good, yeah, good. I was out Tonida this weekend. We got eighty some hundreds, and here by Parker about one point nine on Saturday day and night, and it was it was great. It was. I haven't had to irrigate for a couple of days, and it's just like the relief and keep the pumps going. And you know, you hear guys' wells wells going bad, and you just hope and pray you make it through. So it was hot last week. And what'd you get up at the farm there? 
couple inches. Get right around a couple inches, give or take, depending on the field. So wow. we'll, we'll take it. It came a lot well, easier than yeah. the, the stuff in July did. So that's that's kind of nice. Yeah. So what you got going on the crops now? You had a couple questions for us. Well, I had a little ergot this year in the spring wheat. We did the fungicide with the winter wheat, and uh, we probably should have on the spring wheat. We didn't. Uh, nobody thought it was necessary, I guess. I don't know why. And I'm, I'm new to wheat. As you know, so I, and I remember we studied it a little bit at school here in February or whenever it was. But I think, and I remember, I think there's a new spray coming out or something. I gotta get my books out when we get time here. But I thought you guys would know, and maybe you've got an egg PhD show on it, and I can because I go online at night when I get in late and and uh, look at those sometimes. Nothing personal, but to help me get sleep, learn something, and kind of relax, you know. Sure. So. That's that's what we do, Jim. Yeah. Is put people to sleep. So he about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's comfort, Jim. It's comfort. Yep. And, and that was Darren I was talking to earlier. I, yeah, I'm it was. Certain, but okay. So so <laughs> anyway, yeah. attention, Jim. He's yeah, jumping so, in. So with 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 the ergot, I mean, yeah. Usually, what we're talking about is getting good, clean seed and then using seed treatments. And I mean, I I almost never see ergot around. I, I really don't. But by the same token, we get a lot of the people we work with are doing seed treatment. And then you mentioned like the foliar fungicide thing. I, I, I mean, most of the people I'm working with are doing at least one shot, if not two or three shots on whether it's spring wheat or winter wheat. And I, I kind of looked at it this year, too. Like a lot of these small grains were really high priced because the whole Russia-Ukraine thing and so we had a lot of farmers we worked with that, that did treat. But anyway, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about that in the future. Like I say, just get good, clean seed to start with. You, you put seed treatment on, and typically you're not having a lot of problem. Okay. And that we did buy the seed at uh, the local co-op for the winter wheat last fall. And this sure. year my brother-in-law wanted to sell us some bin run on the spring, and, mm-hmm. and that could have – that's a good point. I didn't realize. Okay. And uh, – but we won't do that anymore. And then, uh, do you have time for another question? Sure. Yep, go ahead. I've got a spray down, and I think on TV you had something last week or two, and just tell me, I'll go look at it on my PhD in the next day. But uh, for spray down, burn down on winter wheat, I think I caught an ad, but I didn't see the show on Sunday night because we didn't get back too late from out there. There's an ad about burn down on winter wheat. That's a great question. Well, on your your show, yeah, you've got, you know, where it adds, it's, says the next week join us oh you mean uh yeah our our promo that we're just we're saying okay upcoming topics all right so you just want to know what we think about burn down after winter wheat what are you going into yes what's it going to be planted to Um, next and spring spring wheat spring wheat we took off and i'm gonna put winter wheat on it it's generally and if something's wrong with that let me know but that's what they've been doing out there forever wait Uh, so say, say here's let me see if I missed this. You you had spring wheat. You're going to harvest that, mm-hmm. and then you're going to wait probably a month or more, and then you're going to do winter wheat. Does that sound about right? Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. And what are we trying to kill? Kosha's a big one out there. The yep. pigeon grass was starting to come. We had pretty good. We had 82 bushel winter wheat, so we were really blessed with that. Nice. Probably the highest awesome. that farms ever had out in Sully County, and uh, so we're pretty lucky. And um, so we'd like to kill, you know, everything. So I thought maybe a, a Roundup and a, a 2,4-D type, but there's so many different 2,4-Ds now. And every time I spray 2,4-D, you tell me, no, no, no. 
But, well, uh, in crop, I don't, I don't love. We don't love it yeah. in crop. I mean, unless you absolutely have to. So let's let's just play this out here for a second and say we go with your mix that you're talking about. So with Roundup, it doesn't take a lot of, a lot to kill grass. I mean, a half, three quarter rate. If it's just pigeon grass and it's small, we'll usually take mm-hmm. that out. So no big deal. If you have perennial grasses, that's a different story. Then you got to be up at full rate. But with kochia, that's our our challenge. If all you're going to have in there is 2,4-D, 2,4-D is is it's not real strong on kochia. So a lot of people are not using that. You can, but you'd have to run with a really strong rate. I'm talking like multiple quarts mm-hmm. per acre, probably three quarts to the acre of, say, Freelex. Well, you don't want to spend that kind of money, I don't think. So instead, what we will usually talk to people about, a, a lot of guys will run dicamba. I just don't love dicamba because it moves all over the country. So what I prefer is right before the winter wheat is seeded, running a couple ounces of Sharpen. That'll cost nine or ten bucks. That'll burn the kochia down great and every other broadleaf weed. It'll burn it all down and leave you residual for a while. So if it's me, that's what I would spend the money on. So if you're looking... Ten ounces. Two ounces, two ounces of Sharpen. It will cost roughly nine or ten dollars an acre, something like that. Okay. Yeah. But that will give you residual for a month or two. So that's a big, big help when you're going into wheat because a lot of people say kochia is their number one weed in wheat out in that country. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, so other uh, than that, or less. Yeah. Round up and then the yep. sharpen it two ounces. Yep. Okay. Okay. So other and than that, if AMS, you said. Yeah. Yep. Throw ammonium sulfate into 17 pounds per hundred. But anyway, I, I would just say there if you only wanted burn down and you didn't want any residual, instead of running that 2,4-D or dicamba, there are a lot of people that will throw AIM in. That's a PPO. There are some people that will use germoxone and then they just use germoxone by itself, I mean, they might throw a little something in with it. You could throw AIM in with it, for example, but, but you don't need to throw Roundup in. We're at 9 or 10 on the 2 ounces of Sharpen, Brian. I, we go to AIM, what are we saving? And we're giving no. up that month. And right. the, the month when it's going to grow is right after you plant it. Yep, you know, that's, you right. that's right. That's uh, right. So one I, thing yeah. I noticed, combining, if you don't have wheat in there, you've got weeds. Yep. So I, I'm just throwing these things out mainly for uh-huh. our listeners' benefit rather than you, because if it's if I'm making the recommendation to you, I'd say round up, sharpen, you're good to go. And you could probably throw in a little bit of crop oil, maybe a gallon per hundred on crop oil and some ammonium sulfate. You'll burn everything down great. You'll leave yourself some residual. Personally, if it was my farm, that's what I would do. Oh, okay, that's great. And then... Uh... Another quick little question. I had some uh, gravel pit brown, but uh, brown silk on it. I went and checked and walked last night because we got back Sunday late after rain. And anyway, uh, it's it's. I peeled it down. There's a little uh, kernel abortion on the end. They're small. Okay. You think that'll still fill out, or should I chop? I'll watch it closely. I might have to chop it for silage. I don't know. Um. That's a great question. If it didn't get pollinated, then when you're at brown silk, you're done. So kernels that were aborted, they're never coming back. Now, in terms of how well are we going to fill that ear, it all depends on how much rain you get, how many nutrients you get and everything. But when you're at this point, 
in a corn plant's life, a lot of the stuff is done. The, the corn has already pretty well determined how much it wants to fill that ear. There, there's a little impact that can still be made with the, the, the nutrients and the water that will go into the plant, but not a lot. So generally speaking, by this point, we have a pretty good idea if it's going to be a decent crop, an average crop, a poor crop, whatever. And unfortunately, this year, Jim, a lot of people in our whole region here are talking about poor crop with non-irrigated because we just were so short on moisture. So hopefully it turns out better for you than I'm afraid it might. But I, I mean, that's about all I all I got. Hey, Jim, we got to get running here. Thanks a lot for calling in again today. Really appreciate it. Hope we helped. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back uh, answering more of your questions and talking resistant weeds. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit spraytech.com for more information. Conditioning low moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. Make 13% beans possible with 13% off all end zone bend systems from Farm Shop MFG. Sale in soon, so go to farmshopmfg.com to order today. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton studio today talking about resistant weeds. And certainly there are some different challenges uh, depending on where you're at around the country with one weed or another. But the big thing is, I like some of the advice earlier in the show, if we don't see those weeds, that's kind of a nice thing. If we start with a great burn down, clean tillage, uh, pre-emerge herbicides, all those things are are great beginning strategies. And, of course, utilizing different traits and trait packages to, to help us have a few more options out there certainly stacks things in our advantage, too. Let's head out east to North Carolina. Got Kevin Matthews on with us right now. Kevin, how you doing? Doing fine, sir. How are you guys? Well, pretty good. We give you this depressing topic of resistant weeds to talk about today, though. I, I don't know. what Which ones are really uh, a pain in your side this year? Ah, Lord, it's, it's the year of the weeds, I believe. Y'all say weed of the week. I, I don't know about that. I believe you're misleading everybody. I believe we're here all the time. Uh, the um, uh, That Palmer still gives us a fit. I mean, it, you know. The the pigweed is it's it's always a bear for us guys out here in the southeast and I'm looking at some in some corn right now right around the edge of the field in the outside turn rows and I'm like oh, I might have to come back and spray them some more. Um, yeah, field borders are are quite a thing. I mean, we talk a lot about okay, here's what you do out in your field. But many times those field borders is where these things get started, and it might not even be your field. It might be your neighbor's field borders, and I know we aren't supposed to go spray those out. So what do you do around your own field borders? Do you have kind of a go-to recipe? We, we do. We actually we try to bush hog as much as possible, and and, uh, and sometimes we have some neighbors at that area that's not farmed, and we will we'll actually voluntarily bush hog theirs. They they're usually very appreciative of it, but they don't understand the reason we're doing it is weed control, trying to help keep it as far away as we can. Um, but then uh, we routinely, the guys are doing it now, they take a, a gator and big spray tank, and then we got a shuttle in back of our service truck, and we mix up a big batch of Roundup and Clarity or whatever we need um, and spray around the outside with a with a you know a hand sprayer basically and it, it's a lot of work and time but you've got to control them and we have morning glories real bad as well and and that helps tremendously on harvesting corn and soybeans it just keeps a lot cleaner so that's that's one thing we do a lot of people don't want to go through that extra trouble but it, it's it's well worth it how about crop rotation, Kevin? I know you utilize several different crops out there. Is that something where you say, man, we really have a Palmer issue here or a morning glory issue there? Uh, do you rotate to a certain crop to, to really get ahead of it? We try hard, and we use cover crops real heavily, at, you know, especially on our upland. We will we'll go heavy with cover crops, and our, and our goal is to keep that soil completely covered up. We don't want the sunlight to hit it if possible. The, the river bottoms, that's a little more of a challenge. We have the you know, flood debris we got to deal with and uh, you know, piles of corn stalks and whatever else might wash in or soybean stalks. So you have to run an accelerator there. So we got to get a little more aggressive, a little better pre-emergence program. And, and you know, 21 days later, we need to be in there with a the sprayer. And we, we just don't need to wait. And 
even then it's you know we hit a dry spell back in june and that that let the corn let more light down to the ground and obviously that was a breeding ground for palmer and and uh the has not been as bad this year but it, it's still out in some places morning glories they love it yeah if we have anything at all that lets light get through that canopy it's it's a problem and i know we we were talking earlier about some of the drought areas and just soybean fields that didn't canopy and that's that's really difficult to fight weeds in no doubt about it especially when you get some of these tough ones you mentioned palmer and morning glory and mare's tail uh they they can crush your yields in a heartbeat and we're talking with kevin matthews here with extreme ag out in north carolina kevin thank you so much really appreciate you sharing a little bit about what's going on and, and good luck to you here the rest of the season all right i'm gonna get this haggy going putting out fungicide on corn there you go. Get Y'all back to stay safe. Appreciate all you do. You bet. Get back to work. <laughs> all right. See you, Kevin. Thank you. Yes, sir. You know, Brian, Kevin brought up a couple of things there too. Uh, it's just if we don't have a thick enough canopy, and this is one of the cautions we have with guys that say, man, I'm going to go with lower population soybeans. And that wasn't exactly what Kevin was talking about, but, uh, but I think about less canopy in a, a thin canopy with a low population field. It's one of yep. the big watchouts. I know it you is. can still get yield, but I've seen several universities highlight this too, that there is a certain amount of population you want just to make sure you got a good canopy out there to keep the weeds out. Well, we also have a lot of adverse weather here. Hail, wind, I mean, just dust blowing even sometimes. I mean, it tatters up our beans all the time. And so I'm just not a fan of going real low on population. I, I just, I want a little cushion. The nice thing with soybeans is they can self-thin. They can branch out and bush out a little bit too, but they can self-thin. Corn, on the other hand, if you plant it too thick, you're kind of stuck. Now you're probably going to have more lodging issues if you plant too thick and you aren't going to gain anything on yield. So, and and corn's really expensive compared to soybeans on a per acre basis. But anyway, I mean, every every person's got a farm however they feel it's best in their operation, and every area is going to be a little bit different too. But you're right. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we talk about all the time is you want to make sure you have good crop canopies. So we just advise people don't go too low on population and then suffer in that respect. All right, uh, get some more questions that have come in here, Brian. This one came in. Let's switch gears just a little bit about nutrients. This came in from Brendan, and he said, "Guys, I love your Ag PhD nutrient removal app. It's been a nice reference for me. I've got a question about uh, my pea crop and pea stover, uh, which isn't split out on the app. I've I've got mine bailed up. I'm wondering what's in there for nutrients, what I'm losing off the field. How is a good way to figure out straw value? I've got lots of guys asking around as not many acres are planted with the two short windows we had to put the crop in. Yeah, unfortunately, our app and nobody's app that I've seen out there has what straw value would be in part because it's going to really vary. Let's put it this way. If you get rain late in the season, then it's very possible for potassium and certain and other nutrients to flush out of that residue or at least the upper parts that are going to get bailed up. So I, I, I just, I don't know. The only way you really know is you take the straw and you send that in for analysis. That residue, just send it in for analysis and they'll tell you. We've done that before in our farm, for example. And yeah, I apologize. Like with peas, we don't have that information split out. There's grain removal and there's stover. 
So in other words, how much does it take to remove, how much does it take to produce the grain? How much does it take to produce the stover when we talk about corn and beans? But don't forget that when we're talking stover, stover, half of it's below ground, half of it's the roots, roughly, just as ballpark. So it's not like in corn or soybeans, oh yeah, we have this, so this is what it take, took to produce the stover. So if I bail up my residue, that those are not the figures you're going to take away from the field. It's going to be much, much less than that. So the only way to really know is you got to test it, unfortunately. All right. I had a question, and this is an interesting one, too, because we, we do get this from time to time. This came in from MC. Now, I guess you're talking about kudzu as a weed of the week, and I was under the impression that goats can control it. Is that true? And honestly, Brian, I've heard of this about other weeds, even leafy spurge. I had a farmer tell me, man, I just put the goats out there. If they get it early stage, they can keep it under control. Once it's already flowering out and that kind of thing, it isn't. But uh, on kudzu, have you ever heard that? We don't really fight kudzu up in our area. No, we don't. And I don't know. Is that possible? Sure. But one of my concerns is where is the kudzu growing? When it starts running up trees or poles or whatever else, it's it's going way up in the air, then how are you going to get it stopped? So, yes, if they eat it off at the base and, and break that plant off, then sure, the rest of it's going to die. But are they going to get that? I don't know. It's tough when we're counting on animals to remove our weeds. Maybe they will. I know. I, I always thought <laughs> and I always thought it'd be nice if we could train those goats just to walk down rows of corn and not eat any of the corn, but eat every weed down the way. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate it. And we'll be right back after this. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking about resistant weeds, but now we're deep into the Ag PhD mailbag. If you have an agronomic question, you can give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Brian, got another goat question over the break. I had a farmer call in and say, man, what about this weed? What about Japanese knotweed? Will the goats eat it? You know? Goats will eat it, anything. Yeah, give it a shot. And I, I think it's well, go- a- No, literally goats will eat anything. I mean, they'll eat your tools. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, goats will eat anything. They'll eat anything to the ground. So will they kill that weed? Sure. Call us the, about the another week. Is, Our answer is going to be yes. Well, here's one thing too. that I that I said. So there's a farmer. This is boy, it's been probably 20 years ago that he was utilizing goats to eat leafy spurge, and he said I fenced them in to just where the patch was. They didn't have a lot of choices. They cleaned up the spurge pretty well, but if it got too far, if there was a patch in another pasture and it already gone to seed, he goes they could be seed spreaders too. So. He said, yep, they can eat stuff. Just get out there when it's uh, when it's young, and it's a little more attractive for them to eat, too. Hey, Darren, we just had a question come in from Josh who said, we're in a chem fallow winter wheat rotation, and group two, like Powerflex Beyond Olympus Maverick, is not working as well as it used to on our cheatgrass. So these products work in the perfect conditions, but that's difficult when you can't control the weather. <laughs> we agree with you there, Josh. Anyway... We've tried Zidua, he says, but we don't get rain. If we don't get rain after it, it's hit or miss. We tried Prepare, same thing. So the new wheat that you can use Group One on, they're not very good yielding uh, uh, soft white winter wheat yet. So do you guys have any other suggestions? Uh, and then he says, I put on a seed milling unit on the combine to try to pulverize the seeds so they won't germinate. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that. That is a little frustrating. Unfortunately. I don't have any great suggestions for you other than that. You're right. If you get everything just perfect, you get the rain, the Zidua helps, you get the uh, the good weather, and then the group twos uh, will do okay. But we're so, in a chem fallow. Is yep. that what you said? Yes. So, and so you get you get different opportunities That's there right. that that don't That's don't right. have to involve group two chemistry because if you're gonna fallow, well, then your options are wide open. Yeah, and quite frankly, Roundup's amazing on cheatgrass if you use the right rate. So personally, what I would do is make sure that I'm on top of that in my fallow year and just making sure that I have no cheatgrass going to seed, and eventually you're going to thin that stuff out. The other side of it is 
what I'd be doing is I'd be doing Zidua. Well, actually, I'd do Anthem Flex because that's even cheaper than Zidua. You get the active ingredient from Zidua, plus you get the burn down of AIM. And I would do that every time if I'm worried about cheatgrass, plus I would plan to come later with any of these other products. So you you can do both. You can do group 15 and group two. So that's what I would do. And I know it costs more money, but if you want better control, your your odds are going to be better if you do that. But yeah, Darren's 100% right in those, in the, in the fallow year, you just got to stay on it. Yep, you sure do. Uh, the other thing is in the continuous crop rotations, fall treatments and getting them on earlier gives you more time to catch moisture. And that's something that you can think about too in the fall. All right. I uh, get this one that came from Brandon. He's over in South Central Minnesota. He said, guys, get a, get a soil fertility question here for soybeans. We've got an average cation exchange capacity of 25, so our soil is pretty heavy. We've got 4.8% organic matter, which is pretty high. Our base saturation percentage of potassium is up to 4% now, which is really good for our area. I'm fertilizing every year in front of both corn and soybeans. That's my two-crop rotation. Now, normally, I fertilize in the spring in front of soybeans because I'm using nitrogen and sulfur. in. Uh, they're in parts of my products here that I'm using, and I want to make sure that they're available. I don't want to lose them by putting them out in the fall. Uh, my best yields in have been around 85 bushel beans. I'm just wondering, what do you guys think? Uh, should I keep spreading my DAP, my potash, my ammonium sulfate in the spring, or would you rather see me put it on in the fall, or is it fine either way in south-central Minnesota? Personally, I do it in the fall. and the, the reason why is just so the work gets done, and then you're not going to hold up your planting. Early planting pays, and if anything disrupts you from that early planting, that's a problem. I would say you're less I'm, likely I'm, to create compaction in the right. fall as well. Yep. I'm not that worried about losing small amounts of nitrogen or sulfur that are put on in the fall, especially when you're putting them on relatively late. Because think here, here's what I always say to people. And I know, let's say you're from the southern United States and your ground doesn't freeze. You probably haven't thought much about this before. But like for us, where our ground freezes, let's call it November 15th, December 1, something like that. If I put my fertilizer out in late October, early November, it's almost identical to putting it out in the middle of April just as the frost is coming out of the ground. What, what's the difference? If the ground's froze, how am I going to lose it? I'm not. I have no bacterial activity. I have, I mean, the, the water isn't able to take anything away because it's frozen. So I'm just not that worried about it if you're doing it relatively late in the fall. Sure, if you're doing it in August, then you might have to be a little more concerned. But no, I, I would advise you to do as much as you can in the fall so it gets done. And I'm glad to hear your, your bean yields are, are good. A big key is keeping that potassium level up. So that, I guess kudos to you for doing that. Sounds like things are going great for you. You can certainly fertilize in the spring if you want. But I'd rather see it done in the fall just to be on the safe side. Oh, one last thing that I will say. When you're in the spring and you have a lot of fertilizer, that means there's a lot of salt there right that day. By getting it done in the fall, it gives you just a little bit more time to get rid of some of the salt. Not much, but a little bit. So you leave the good stuff, get rid of some more of the salt. That, to me, is always a good thing. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Todd, and he describes himself, Brian, as a, this is a quote here, part-time cow-calf farmer. 
Now, maybe you're a part-time farmer, Todd. Maybe you get a job off the farm. But if you've got a cow-calf operation, uh, you got something to, to take care of 365 days a year. So I love that farmers would view themselves, Brian, as part-time, even though they've got a 365-day-a-year job. Okay, but that's uh, nonetheless here. Let's take his question. Todd says, I'm having trouble finding any herbicide that will take out this weed. It's called dayflower, and it's in pasture and hay ground. Uh, and uh, did send this to the university too, and uh, they say it's a challenge. Yep, it's going to be a challenge, but here's the thing. When you have some of these really tough weeds, and let's face it, there might be nothing that's actually technically labeled on that, then concentration of the herbicide is a really big key. What I mean by that is this. If you're out there spraying and you've got 20 gallons of water, which a lot of people think, oh, that's great and I want that. Well, maybe, but sometimes when you have plants with waxier leaves or not a lot of leaf surface or anything like that, you just have to figure out how do I get more of the herbicide into the plant? So what I'm trying to say here is, would a normal 2,4-D or dicamba status, uh, distinct, something like that work? Yeah, distinct would probably be my favorite choice. I'd go with distinct, but I'd use the full rate, six ounces, and I'd keep the water volume relatively low. We want to get good spray coverage, don't get me wrong. But what I'm trying to say here is if you put too much water with it, that can be problematic because now your droplet is not as concentrated and it's hard to get a lot onto that plant sometimes. So go distinct, go with the full rate, and then keep that water volume. I keep it 7 to 10 gallons of water per acre, and I think you're going to get at least fairly decent control. All right, thanks for the question. I uh, got another weed control question. This one comes in from Tyler. He said, guys, I am in central Kansas. I got a brome hayfield that's getting this particular weed scattered across it. It's really invasive. It forms a root ball that makes the field rough. It's a grass-type weed. It looks like a perennial. Just wondering, is there anything I can do to kill that without hurting the brome? No, I don't think so. It's it's really tough. So killing grass in grass, there just are not a lot of options. We will occasionally talk about plateau or pastora or maybe pendimethylin, the that's prowl, basically, the residual herbicide. But is that going to work in, in this case on that weed? Probably not. So I, I wish we had a great answer for you. But unfortunately, in this one, I just I don't know that there's anything you can do. Nope, it's really tough. And, you know, you think about rotational grazing, you think about uh, trying to keep that grass well fertilized and uh, and just not overgrazed in general. You've got to do some of those practices for the long term to try to keep certain weeds out. But even then, occasionally, there'll be something like this that gets through. Hey, thanks for the question. We do appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 